Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 21 of the Purple Octopus Red Sweater Podcast. My name is Evan, joined by Wes as always. Wes, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Not too bad. Um, got a lot to talk about. There's a ton of stuff going on in the news. Um, no surprise to anyone, but uh, probably going to have to talk about what's going on overseas a little bit, even though we're not going to make any political statements. This is just uh, news we're reporting on and some of our you know opinions on it. We're not going to not going to make this a political podcast. So um, I know we do have some Russian listeners, so I hope everyone over there is safe. Uh, you know, obviously on both sides, you don't want anyone getting hurt, but um, yeah, let's dive in. Do you want to start with that? Do you want to start with Red Wing stuff? Do you want to start with trade deadline stuff? What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, we could probably just uh, start with what's going on um, over yeah. in uh, over in Russia, uh, U- uh, Ukraine. Yeah. So, the news that like we will talk about for sure, and we, we can decide how far we want to go to this, but um, today was announced at the IHF, the NHL uh, made statements halting business with Russia. I should say that's on the NHL side of things um, and their partnerships. And then the IHF um, is taking World Juniors in 2023 out of Russia. Or is it 2024? 2023. 2023, yep. And then you can elaborate more on that. Um, as far as like the double IHF goes? Uh, well, first and foremost, I think uh, we talked about it kind of yesterday. Uh, Gretzky stepping up on Saturday night on the mm-hmm. panel. Um, and, and you know, I like um, TNT. We've, we've been saying it all year, singing their praises that they're, they're, they've killed ESPN as far as uh, they're on, um, on, I don't want to say on, on air, air presentation. But yeah, on air. And then they're like in game presentation yeah, also. Yeah um tnt i find is better and when you have gretzky um gretzky's a man like i said to you you know the nhl usually listens to what he says the double ihf usually listens shit the olympics you listen to him um so you know to give him a voice every week or you know he's not on every week but um you know a a chance when he has a a platform for his voice it's great so uh, another great job by tnt but yeah for him to step up and say yeah this needs to happen um you know, Russia needs to be barred from playing in these events. Yeah. And I said to you, you know, it might happen because you know, they, like I said, they usually listen to Gretzky and whether it had Wayne's voice had anything to do with it, or it was already in the works, um, it happened and it, uh, it was the right thing to do amongst what's going on. Uh, Belarus now also banned yep. from those tournaments because of their help with uh, Russia to get into um, Ukraine and uh, yeah, you know, and we can kind of dive into some of the players who either spoke out or were interviewed by the media for their respective teams or organizations and um, what they had to say. I mean, some of the bigger ones uh, are Alex Ovechkin and what he had to say, I think it was the Thursday morning after the uh, invasion of Ukraine by the Russians. He, uh, he tiptoed around what everyone was just wondering and, but by good means, he's an active NHL player who has family in Russia. Um, someone who, uh, like we said off air, not necessarily friends with Vladimir Putin, but someone that you don't want to piss off, right? And um, so I, I think what he said was fair. You can't expect him to go out too much. I, I get that the reporters are probably um, a little bit emotional because it is a very crazy time, but. Um, yeah, I, I think what, what he did was as much as you can ask of him. 
Yeah. Now, uh, and related to that, like when he was asked if he still supported Vladimir Putin uh, and he said, you know, I'm from Moscow and he is still my president. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were upset by that statement, but he doesn't come from a free country and a democracy, a country with democracy like the U.S. when everybody said, you know, oh, Trump's not my president. He's not yeah, my yeah. president. Ovechkin can't say that because it's not a democracy over there. He is a dictator. And any any show of disrespect like that, um, and he'll take care of it. And you won't like the way Putin takes care of things. <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, something that relates more to like the Red Wings, uh, Dominic Hasek came out and blasted Ovechkin. And we kind of agreed off air that Hasek was probably out of line a little bit by saying that. I think his words they carry a weight from a player who played like in that part of the world. And I don't know, had a long career in the NHL, very successful career. So I, I thought, I thought it was out of line. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and it's surprising to be, to be honest. Yeah. I thought what, what Dominic said oh, was out of line also. And uh, just a little like, where, where does that come from that? He's like, Oh, he's a little chicken shit. And like, what are you talking about, man? He, he can't, he can't, again, he can't openly say if if he does feel a different way about him, which I'm sure he does, because um, Alex Ovechkin isn't an animal, um, you know, to, uh, to say it in the way that, you know, of course, I'm referring to their president. But, um, you know, he's not just a, a ruthless son of a bitch. So he's not uh, supporting, uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe that he's supporting this invasion and everything and, and, no, you know, no. all the bloodshed and the almost genocide of what is happening. Not, not that they're at that level of killing yet, but to just, just, you know, and, and what, uh, what breaks my heart the most is that they, you know, they were just, they didn't know, like, right. you know, that they, they were just, but they're waiting because all these troops lined up and you're waiting to just, you're waiting for them to invade and then all of a sudden they do, but like, they didn't know it was happening that day. Like when you think back about like the middle East, you know, they, they knew it was coming from America after what happened. And, uh, but yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. And happening, but Hasek said, uh, he's not only an alibis, a chicken ship, but also a liar. So that, that was kind of like the line that that was like the first line that he actually had in, in his statement. So from there, you can kind of, I'm not going to read it. It's a longer paragraph, but you can kind of tell where that uh, ship is going to sail uh, for the rest of that statement. But um, yeah, we can we can change topics now. I mean, uh, that shit sucks. And hopefully um, my Russian listeners are OK and all that. Um, yeah, some better news. Quinn Hughes is playing Jack for the first time, uh, going for his first win. Uh, the Canucks and the Devils play tonight, so that'll be interesting to see those guys play. Or not the first time, sorry, but Quinn's trying to get his first win against his brother Jack. Sorry, yeah. I misworded that. Uh, uh, and, and Luke's uh, just passed like the rookie record in NCAA or something for most goals by a rookie defenseman, uh, something like that. Um, did I say that right, Luke? Luke Hughes? Yeah, he's for, the one playing for Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, he just, he, he, sorry, yeah, no, he surpassed, uh, I believe it was most goals by a rookie in NCAA, by, by a rookie defenseman. Hmm. Awesome, there you go. Uh, looking at the playoff picture right now, it looks like Vancouver is pretty much dead to rights. Uh, unless Anaheim and Edmonton fall apart, which is like, that's not that crazy to say, especially the year that Edmonton's had, the twists and turns. 
Um, but it looks like New Jersey is squarely out of the playoff picture once again. Um, just wanted to add, a, add that in there. Uh, yeah. What else we got here? Oh, trade deadline stuff. So it, it's come up like more and more as time has passed and we're getting close to, to the trade deadline that it seems like the New York Rangers are going to make a play on either Nick Letty, um, Nemestikov, or who was the third? Troy Stetcher. Um, it seems like all three of those guys are heavily on the Rangers' radar. So uh, I guess we'll keep an eye on that. Or Kravtsov and a first. Yeah. Sure, whatever. Whatever. I mean, I'd love to have him. Now we talk and about then, every podcast. And then Nemestikov can come back in free agency. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, if we can get some free assets for him and sign him back. Yeah. Um, as far as rookie scoring goes, Lucas Raymond still at the top. 42 points in 53 games played. Michael fucking Bunting um, is becoming more of a threat to taking over the scoring lead than Trevor Zegers is to uh, Lucas But he can't Raymond. win the Calder. Bunting can't win the Calder. Fuck, I always forget that. Sorry. Fucking hell. Well, but, he okay. can fucking do whatever he wants. He can't be rookie of the year. So fuck you, Michael Bunting. It just drives me nuts that they still have him on, on the um, like rookie like scoring list, you know? Yeah, I mean, okay, I haven't really looked into it, but I just assume that he is 26 and the, and the cutoff is 25 years of age. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I, as far as like looking at like the list on NHL.com, like the, I was just talking about the... Uh, Scoring list, but yeah, you're right about the uh, Calder. Uh, and then Zegers is three points shy with uh, four games in pocket on Lucas Raymond. Most setters not far behind, 39 points, 50, 53 games. What a fucking hell of a year more Sider is having. It's unbelievable. This guy's going to be a, a Norris Trophy finalist for the next decade plus. What, what would oh, you say? Yeah. What would you put the over under on Norris trophies for Moritz Sider? First career? First career, yeah. Five? Oh, shit. I was going to say one and a half. Like, if you get two, that means you're one of the best of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or or would three put you up in that, like, elite, elite category? I mean, you know what? No, like, nobody nobody dominates it anymore. Like, don't. We, don't, we don't see somebody winning, like, for whatever reason, but I mean, there's a lot of, like, I was going to say for whatever reason, it's not Hedman every year, but, um, you know, Yossi's good too. And, and there's, there's always a, a slew of good defensemen there, but. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I just Google it just to see who has the most Norris's. It looks like Bobby Orr has the most with eight. Yeah. And then and, Lindstrom. Yeah. Well, how many does Lindstrom have six? Seven. I thought. Yep. You're right. Seven. So, if you can get, yeah, if you can get three, I think that puts you like top top of the list for best defensemen in all time. Duncan Keith surprisingly only has one. Oh, never mind. Excuse me, two. That's not that surprising then. Yeah, that that two, the threshold getting to two is like putting you in that elite category for sure. Okay, hold on one second. Yeah, for sure. I got. I just found the eligibility rules for the Calder Trophy. So to be eligible for the Calder Trophy, a player cannot have played more than 25 games in any single preceding season, mm -hmm. nor in six or more games in each of any two preceding seasons in any major professional league beginning in 
Oh, okay. And the player must not have attained his 26th birthday by September 15th of the season in which he is eligible. So yeah, Michael Bunting's okay, birthday. Michael Let's Bunting out. could be eligible. So I've been off. It's about the 26th birthday. His birthday, His birthday is September the 17th. 17th. Two fucking days. So, so he's not eligible then. Right? He, he missed the cutoff by two days. Yeah. It, it, must it does, not have attained his 26th birthday by September 15th. Right. He didn't have his birthday by September 15th, so he is eligible. Oh, okay, so he is eligible. Okay, yeah. got it. Must not have attained his birthday by the 15th, and he didn't attain it by the 15th. Okay, I, so, so wow, okay, so he is eligible. So I've been off about that. I should have pushed Michael back on that because on Chicklets, Biz is always fucking sucking his cock about the uh, the Calder. Yeah, I know, and I'm always yelling at Biz, too, and my fucking phone thinking you're a fucking loser. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think... I think it would take a lot for Bunting to beat Raymond or Zegras uh, for the Calder. I, right now, in my eyes, it's between three guys, and it's Raymond, Zegras, and Cider. Yeah. And maybe Lundell, too. Like, he's have, he's putting up some fucking numbers. He's got uh, 36 points in 49 games. Yeah, yeah. Plus twenty nine, by too. the way. He's also playing with like two of the top ten players in the world, so it's like, you know. But Dylan Larkin is not top ten, but definitely top probably thirty five players in the league right now. Something like that. Yeah, possibly up there. Um oh I had a question for you. Um mm. oh, I had this this thing I seen first. I just thought it was funny. It says uh Gatorade is a drink for world-class athletes and hungover drunks alike. Yeah. If you don't know how you got home last night and there's no middle ground, nobody drinks Gatorade because their day was just good. You either brought home the state championship or woke up in the fucking state prison. <laughs> that's funny because my girlfriend always, that's like her go-to is blue Gatorade. Like after No, that's skating. everybody's go-to. That's like the worldwide association of blue Gatorade. You, yeah, see, somebody, yeah. <laughs> you see somebody drinking a blue Gatorade? I'm um, 30, 30 years of age or under, and it's like you've had a rough one. Yeah, if you see an adult, you know that just got crippled the night before, and then you're <laughs> yeah. hanging on by a thread with this blue Gatorade. Yeah. Um, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, so uh, who do you think will be the first prospect uh, who makes the NHL but doesn't play for the Red Wings because Eiserman has dealt him? Uh, let me look at their prospect list. You here, you give your answer, but I'm gonna put you down because I don't want to hear your answer. I'll be back in five seconds. Okay. Well, cut just cut this because I gotta I gotta go to the bathroom. So can we cut for a sec? What'd you say? Sorry, I gotta go to the bathroom. Can we just cut for like 30 seconds or a yeah, minute? I can just pause it. All right, we're back. Okay, we're back. Uh I'm looking at the prospect list. I see like five or six names that I can see um getting traded, but I think um looking like from the top, like the guys who they probably won't move unless like they really have to, like based on a cap situation or just a roster management move. Like Jonathan Bergeron's not getting moved. He's going to be a Red Wing for a long time, hopefully. Yeah. Um, based on what we've seen from Soderblom, and we'll get to that soon from um, that athletic uh, article from Max, he's not getting moved. He's going to be here for a long time. I think William Wallander it could be uh, a question mark. I think he's more of a guy that who's going to be in the Red Wings for hopefully a long time as well. I'm looking at like that second tier below as like guys who could be moved. Um, Pasquale Zito, Carter Mazur. Um, I was just had another name in mind. Um, Theo Niederbach. 
Oh, I hope not. I like that kid, man. I like him too. Alvin and he Rui. can play. He can play all all positions up front too. He can play center and both. He's a natural center who can play both wings. That's right. that's a fucking nice thing to have. I'm also thinking about like realistically, what prospects position wise are more likely to make the wings and make the wings and stick. I if I would think it would be a center and wings. I don't know how many defensemen can stick just because like we we have a more healthy um back end there, uh, prospect yeah yeah right so like our pool's healthier in the on the back end right so i would imagine like a wallander would be moved before a um that's zito or something like that so that was a uh, shitty answer I, I said a lot but i don't know what, what do you think what would be your your guess uh, i think it could be um uh no, I just can't even think of his name. Uh Bednar, uh the goaltender, you know, oh, Bednar. Yeah. I didn't think about um, goalies. Yeah. Um could could also be um uh Sebrango or, or McIsaac, possibly. Um I could see them moving either one of those two guys. Um I like them both. I could see one of one or one of the two being moved just because they're um kind of similar um trajectory, similar um game all that kind of stuff i could see one of them being moved um i wouldn't like either one to be moved but you know they get what it is you see this is the shitty part about where where we are in the rebuild it's like we're kind of getting married to a lot of these guys like we we haven't had much to look forward to as red wings fans in years like these are shining lights at the end of the tunnel and like saying goodbye to them before they even make the Red Wings is like kind of sad you know but again though if if we're trading these prospects they're gonna be for um, trade deadline ads, uh, a move that's going to put you from a contender to a very serious cup contender. Um, so, I mean, if we lose those guys for a rental, like, uh, you know, throw a name out there, who's going to get moved this, this uh, trade deadline. That Those are the, the lumps you got to take. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you Hampus said, I Lindholm. agree. We're, we're married to the, what's that? Sorry. Hampus Lindholm was like a name. Like if we're trading a, a, a top tier prospect for a guy like Hampus Lindholm, I can get over that. If it's going to be a stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, like, like you said, we're married to a lot of the guys, but we're going to come to find that they're not all going to turn out the way we want them to. Right. Yeah. Like um, you could look at McIsaac and Sabrango right now. Like I said, they're pretty much on similar paths, similar to where they're at. Um, similar in age, um, a 21 year old and a 20 year old. Um, we, we could say move, um, you know, pick one. We move Sabrango. And uh, he turns out to, you know, he comes into his own and becomes an Eric Carlson and McIsaac flops and, uh, you know, becomes a Brian Lashoff who's uh, never really plays in the NHL more than a handful of games a season because of injuries. And I want to say that right now, speaking of that, three to five years from now when that does happen, you can't blame Stevie Y for that. Like these guys, like these are. No, that's just something that happens for every draft class. But we know that's how it's going to go. Yeah, you you never and and everybody gets that. No, I don't think anybody gets mad. Like you're not gonna have um, even five, but you're not gonna have seven, four, four even gems in the in the draft, right? Out of one draft, if you get seven picks, which is how many rounds there are, um, right? But um, yeah, you're not gonna four of those guys probably won't make the NHL. I mean, like the shooting percentage of players that make it to the league and make an impact 
significantly drops off from pick like 12 in the first round, even to like the beginning of the second round. So like the fact that we are where we are, as far as like guys like Wallander and Sabrango, um, even Joe Valeno, who is technically like, you know, 30th overall, 31st overall, having success with these guys is a massive success to the Red Wings organization. And I I feel like that doesn't get like portrayed enough in Red Wings media. Like the fact that we've, come close to hitting on a handful of these guys is massive for the rebuild. Oh, yeah, oh I was going to sure. say hot take on this. He's still technically listed as a prospect, but I think the guy that is single-handedly most likely to be moved to bump up their rebuild and bring on an asset who's going to play consistent minutes, have a bigger, bigger impact than himself at this moment. Joe Valeno. No, Joe oh. Valeno. I think oh, he, you're not saying you want to move him. You're just saying because I don't, he's technically a prospect. Okay. Technically a prospect. You know, he's, he's got, you know, he is NHL ready, which, which tells me he's either going to make an impact shortly because he is a top, he should be a top six player or he'll be dealt for um, someone who will be a top six player. Yeah. Um. What now? Uh, speaking of, while well, we stay with the trade, um, a lot of rumors have caught the past week or so about uh, Bertuzzi being traded. What do you think? Those, whoever is writing that article uh, should never be, have access to Twitter or any platform in the media related industry again. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Why would you trade a guy who we're talking about as like an elite scorer? He came into his own. If, if, it, if that's a political article, then you can go fuck yourself. If it's, if yeah. they wrote that article with, any inkling of the vaccine in their mind. I'm a pro-vax guy, but if that's why you're writing that article, then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see an instance where, where we're going to trade him and we're immediately getting a player back. That's better. The the one for one for him is even as good or better. How it is, who is it that makes us better than Bertuzzi does? Because this guy flat out, the Red Wings are different when he is out of the lineup. Yeah. They are a sag, dragging their balls team. Um, yeah. He brings the intensity that the wings need. Uh, the fact he's not vaccinated yet. He, that's been thrown around all fucking year. Uh, oh, what, but, but what do they want to trade him for? Like it, that's not enough for Stevie to want to trade him. This anti-vax stuff. Uh, he makes no, every line, every line. Yeah, no, every line he's on, he makes them so much better better okay so yes and and that's like, like mick likes to call him he's a fucking junkyard dog i know i love what mick says that it gets me fired up but uh the the fact that he he had a phenomenal start to the year on the first line has come down to the second line and still performed at a relatively high pace like tells you all you need to know he doesn't just need dylan lark and lucas raymond to help drive that line he can do it on other lines as well so i want to point out something to you I'm not going to tell you the stats right now, but let's say that Minnesota comes to you with an offer. Tyler Bertuzzi, Kevin Fiala, one for one. What do you say to that? No. No. And if you want more detail, Kevin Fiala is 25 years old. Um, and Bertuzzi is what, 26? Yeah. I would say no as well. And we look at points right now. So, uh, Bertuzzi has 40, 44 points in 45 games. Fiala has 50 points in 44 games. 
I would say that on a national scale, Kevin Fiala is known as the better player. Would you say that's fair? Yep. But as of this year, Tyler Bertuzzi is a better player than Kevin Fiala right now, I would say. That, so that Bertuzzi's m- 27, sorry. 27. Okay, so he's got two years on him. But uh, ju- uh, Fiala makes 5.1 and is a free agent this year as a, re- a restricted, I would believe. Yeah, RFA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, who makes already who already makes more than what Bertuzzi makes? So he's gonna want what's he gonna seven want and a six half. million? Bertuzzi Bond makes four seven for next year too. Yeah. So I mean, and that, I I feel like that's not a comparable player, but like close enough where you can make the no. Comparison. Yeah, that is that is a comparable. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I don't. Sorry, no. Kevin Fiala is a good player, but he's a great player. Um, he doesn't he doesn't bring the intensity i've watched some minnesota games he doesn't bring the intensity bertuzzi brings and that's not a knock on kevin fiala at no, all no, no he's just not he, he's not that scrappy fucking player that just junkyard dogs it on every line goes bertuzzi out there and does will, what he's got to do bertuzzi will play two minutes on the pk and then score a goal where he's battling in the corners and somehow like slide to pass the goalie kevin fiala will just like have a snipe on that left hash wall or the half wall and bertuzzi um, could do that too that's the problem True, and Bertuzzi also dropped the mitts. So, um, there's been a lot of talk about Philip Forsberg being traded too. This is something that I saw on YouTube, not as much as like um, traditional media, but one of the trade targets was Kevin Fiala. Let me um, let me show you. Let me look this up real quick. But yeah, that's something that's interesting. Um, it seems like he's there's... somebody I would trade Bertuzzi for, possibly. Yeah. It... I agree, but as a Homer Red Wings fan, I still say no to that because because it's Forsberg. No, I, I like for I do really like Forsberg. No, but I, I mean because his last name. <laughs> oh yeah, Peter Forsberg. Yeah. Um, no, just because, like I said, Bertuzzi could drop the mitts. He's also on a nice contract for what two more years or three more years at four and a half. Bertuzzi. Yes. This year and next year. That's it. Got it. Okay. Um. So yeah, I I definitely think that any trades of Bertuzzi is stupid unless you're getting back a King's Ransom. And I don't think that Bertuzzi probably would get a King's Ransom back. I think the trade that we got last year that was shocking to everyone as a Red Wings fan was Anthony Mantham being traded. And I don't say we I don't I don't want to say we got lucky with how Verana played when he became a Red Wing, but we kind of got lucky with how good Verana has been as a Red Wing. Now, I didn't know a lot about Jacob Verona last year. I was fucking about to go in one when fucking Mantha got dealt. I was rattled. Yeah. And then I looked at Verona's stats, and I was like, you know, I just haven't seen this guy. And that first game he played, I was like, comfortable with that. That breakaway goal. And and we picked up some some, uh, a prospect and a pick, too, or whatever. first and a second. Yeah. So, basically, what happened. The problem is. We just haven't really seen him yet. Right. And we're we'll going to that every day. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that soon. I just wanted to say that uh, Jacob Rana was kind of in the same doghouse that Anthony Mantha was in Detroit as he was in Washington. He was playing third line minutes. He clearly is not a third liner. Comes to Detroit, gets a fresh start, starts lighting the world on fire. And oddly enough, him and Mantha are now out for the same time frame, the same essentially the same injury. Like we won that trade by a moonshot. But at the time though, like you said, I was pissed too. What the fuck are we doing trading Anthony Manta? Like there, there were concerns about Manta's um, drive and his compete level. 
um, in Detroit because, like, you could, I mean, last year you could tell that he just didn't even want to play hockey. Like, he, even on oh, the yeah, PP, he sure. looked like bored out there. He didn't want to, whatever. So, I like, like, like again, though, definitely positive for us. And um, speaking of Rana, I don't know if you have a more up to date update than I do, but he had been skating with the team. Um, I don't know who it was inside the org, the Red Wings org, but he's essentially ready to come back maybe as soon as Sunday. Let's hope so. Yeah. So that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just to touch back on the trade. um, We also got Richard Ponick with him Mm. um, and, and flipped Ponick for Letty. So, and a a second. well, we got we got a first and a second with Ponick and Verano, so you, you basically just yeah. cross out those seconds for Letty yeah. and Ponick. We got Letty for free. Yeah, but we we may bake up a first for Letty. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, realistically, what do you think Letty gets if he goes to a team like the Rangers or Minnesota? He was also rumored there. Um. See, the thing is, is I think he he'll be moved uh, with um. He'll, not the return he's going to get specifically just him. I believe we're, Iserman will pick up a, a cap casualty also, uh, you know, yeah. a big ca- a garbage cap hit or something, uh, and maybe and probably get a first, you know, for taking somebody. Uh, I don't know who they would take, but somebody. Um, Let me look up their cap friendly real quick. I can tell you, I can tell you pretty quickly. Are we talking um, to the Rangers? The Rangers cap friendly, yeah. I, well, okay, I do... we'll take Lafreniere too. Fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that like, even if we do trade him, Nick Letty for a second round pick, that's a pretty significant win for the Red Wings and Steve Eiserman. That, that basically means you're getting two free seconds for Nick Letty for a year of service where he mentored, quote unquote, mentored uh, more Sider, even though they don't play together. But I mean, that is great value. Yeah. The Rangers don't really need to shed any cap. They don't. What do they have in cap right now? Uh, about ca- 7 million 6.3 million I'm, I'm very high on wh- what the uh, Rangers are doing I know like, they've had a lot of bouncing around in their upper management and their, their GM they but- have but they're holding steady on how they're building this thing they're chain- They're trying to go uh, like a money money puck uh, situation here however they're trying to do this not, yeah. not exactly in the money ball way but um yeah, they're getting it done, man. With with solid veterans that aren't uh, aren't at lengthy contracts, and and a mix of guys that are young and and raw, and the you know some of the upper brass of vets that are making big big bucks. Yeah. I think they're like my second favorite team. I, I really love the Rangers. And it doesn't help that doesn't hurt rather that Shostakovich a fucking wagon. He is, he is. And this guy, is, and thank God, because Gorgiev is a fucking bum right now. Yeah. And the craziest part about, maybe not the craziest part, but something to point out about the Rangers, they have all their picks. Additionally, they have an extra second round pick and an extra fourth round pick. They don't have a seventh, but who the fuck cares about a seventh? Yeah. So impressive, like what they've done with not a steady GM. Yeah. Very impressive. And, and the movement, yeah. So. Look, we have all our picks this year except for our sixth. We also have two extra fourths and an extra second. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked. And that, we're bound to just get more and more. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if you add us uh, at least a second, potentially a first, and toss in two more thirds um, slash fourths, depending on how things go and what uh 
And maybe another prospect or maybe another uh, bottom six, bottom four guy. Um, yeah, who do we got that uh, that speaks French? We have a lot of guys who speak French, I feel like, actually. Okay, one of them can go play in Montreal for the first, for the first overall pick. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that Montreal probably won't be moving any sort of assets, though. Like, they're pretty... I think they know that they're on the rebuild track, a, a, a heavy rebuild. Yeah. And to think the rebuild was over, right? Like you almost won the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah. I mean, is, and then is, the train is, fell apart. That's the problem, right? Like Weber, Price, uh, Dano. Uh, There's a lot of casualties. Uh, Can you me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the train just fell apart. So. I don't know if you have like something offhand, but maybe you do. That must be one of like the all-time biggest flukes in NHL history that the Canadians win the Stanley Cup. And then, well, I mean, but you know, you look at it; it was the division alignment. It was just yeah, it was was perfect timing. It was a fluky. It was, and thank God at least. you know, it didn't happen that they beat Tampa because they had no business being there. And that's clear right now, even though, like I say, they've lost four key pieces of that puzzle. Uh, I, I still don't think they had a business beating Tampa. Nobody did. And that's why nobody, nobody could. Did. Yeah. And nobody might this year, man. So uh, I'm looking up some other like pretty fluky seasons. This isn't a team, but like I've never heard of this player, Brad Boys. He had 40, 43 goals in 0708. Brad Boys. I loved Brad Boys. Yeah, Boys yeah. was sick. And he did that in 0708. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Blues were miserable in 0708. Bottom of the league. Uh, they possibly were, yeah. And uh, another quick tidbit about that that was one fourth of his, more than one fourth of his career goal total in one year. <laughs> Oof. So that's. Uh, there's an interesting story on boys. If I can find it. Um... There's actually a lot of uh, fluky seasons. See, I don't know. He, these... he was traded from Toronto with Alan McCauley and two first round picks for Owen Nolan. Oh, San Jose took use those first round picks on Mark Stewart and uh, Logan Couture. Oh, that hurts. That hurts bad. Yeah. You think he's a Hall of Famer? Who? Kutcher. Uh, probably. It's in borderline for sure. Borderline for sure. Yeah, he's going to be very borderline because he's on those shark teams that could never do anything, and they should have been. They went to, like, what, two or three Western Conference Finals? With Kachir? Yeah, a few. Like, Marlowe's a Hall of Famer. Oh, no doubt. No uh, question. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's beat Gordie Howe's record of most games ever played. You he also wore the same uh, He wore the same pair of Reebok skates for 15 years, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Thornton um, will be a Hall of Famer. Um, 100%. Eric Carlson? I, uh if he doesn't do anything else in his career, like if he stays just borderline where he's at now, I doubt it because he's still a young player. He hasn't done enough to make his Hall of Fame yet. Um, well, he's, he's 31. Yeah. What's he done? 
He won a Norris. He played an unbelievable postseason on a broken foot. That's pretty cool. What was that like 2015 or some shit? Yeah. That cr- yeah that- I mean, hey, he had great seasons. He was the best defenseman in the league. He may have been the best player in the league at one point. Yeah. yeah um, dude, he was unbelievable. And and the trade to San Jose was a falling off for him. Yeah. Um, speaking of flukes, I, I could be wrong here, but that year for the Senators kind of was fluky, right? They weren't that good, but they made the Eastern, uh, yeah, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I don't think – no, they weren't that good. Yeah, it was kind of a fluky year. They might have been like a seven seed. Yeah, beat Toronto probably. <laughs> they probably fucking um, destroyed Toronto, yeah. What what I always like to say about Thornton is a, is a John, uh, John Tortorella quote that uh, Joe Thornton's going to go down in history as the best player that never did anything. Yeah, he's the Allen Iverson of the uh, NHL. Yep. That sucks because that guy's a fucking... Do, do you remember Tortorella ripping him like that? Somebody said, oh, no, Thornton said this, and Tortorella was like, who said what? And he said, Joe Thornton said it, and Th- Tortorella went... <laughs> Fuck Joe Thornton. Joe Thor- I'll tell you who Joe Thornton is. Joe Thornton's going to go down in history as the best player in this league who never fucking did anything. <laughs> I would never say this because it's a kid show, but John Tortorella could lick my fucking nuts, dude. That guy sucks. <laughs> I like Torts. But I, you know I, what? It, it is true. Thornton is going to go down as the best player that never did yeah, anything. Allen Iverson. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He's a legend. Like my generation growing up, like it was Joe Thornton was like the baddest motherfucker ever. Yeah. Iverson, however, changed the like. I don't know. Iverson was a different, meant different things to the NBA than what Joe Thornton ever meant to the NHL. In a but sense that, yeah. in a sense that he was that little tiny guard that could do whatever the fuck he wanted, and he could go to the net against fucking Shaq. Like, why he shouldn't have been able to go drive to the net against Shaq? But he I could. agree. He, so, like, in a way that Eric Lindros revolutionized the power forward, yeah. Allen Iverson uh, revolutionized, like, a, a short, tiny guard. You know, and then yeah. Chauncey Billups came around, and Chauncey Billups was like that, too. Shout out to my boy Chauncey in Detroit. I loved Chauncey, man. Billups could bring down a fucking three-pointer from anywhere in the fucking Palace of Auburn Hills. The, yeah, like, one of the coolest NBA, like moments or times was when Chauncey Billups wore that black mask and he was just unguardable. Was that, that was like 05, 06. That was like their that? championship team in 04, 05. I guess yeah. the Spurs, I think. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that was an unreal team. But like the, the thing about hockey is it. I people, think their whole starting five started in the all-star game that year. Billups, um, Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, Tayshaun Prince. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably dude. What a uh, fucking team. Oh, and who was the other guy? Phillips, Wallace, Wallace. Oh, and Rip Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a Shout Rip Hamilton Pistons jersey. Got <laughs> a boy. I, I should have gotten a Bulls one. Shit. Um, the thing, the issue with like these guys, like these legends in, in the NHL, like compared to other leagues, they get like that legend status for other reasons than like just being good, right? Like there's there's legends for like fighting legends for like off ice stuff the nba it's all like changing the game legends like all that sort of stuff so uh, yeah i get what you mean that like joe thornton wasn't a game changer necessarily yeah all right what else we got that's all i had yeah i think that's um about it yeah it's a good hour pod i think we're good here yeah all right Well, we'll talk to you guys soon.
thanks for uh, for listening. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. All right, let's go, Links.